the search for identity, that which uh, suits best to this uh, real self that you're discovering. If you know yourself well enough, then you discover what you are best suited for, and then that is what makes you happiest, too. Self-actualization uh, means the making real of the inner self, and that means what you love, what you're interested in, what excites you, what fascinates you, and that is the cause outside yourself, which paradoxically then becomes a defining characteristic of the self. Welcome to the Maslow Peak Podcast, presented by Spring State Media Group. I'm your host, Brett Griffin, and our guest today is creative director J.P. Boneyard. J.P. has an interesting story. He's a designer. He's a web developer. He hosted over 100 DIY concerts in a shed at his mom's house. He hosts a traveling roadshow of concert posters. He's behind a series of posters commemorating each of America's 59 national parks. All kinds of stuff. You can find all of J.P.'s work at jpboneyard.com. And he's on Twitter and Instagram at JP Boneyard. He grew up in Massachusetts, so he's probably a Celtics fan, but we won't hold that against him. <laughs> JP, thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> thanks for having me, making some time. I appreciate it. It's funny. I was talking to my wife a while back. Uh, I think one of the Super Bowls that the Patriots were in, and she said, who are you rooting for? And I said, you know, as a Laker fan, I am required to hate all things Boston. And she, uh-huh. says, she says, no one thinks that. And I say, literally millions of people feel that way. <laughs> right. Right. I feel that. Um, yeah, I, well, I got into basketball kind of late and it wasn't through family or anything. So I didn't have any of those sort of pressures or any real clue. Um, I, I, my roommates in college were a little bit older and they weren't in college. So they'd just be kicking it, watching TV sometimes, watching a Celtics game. And, uh, you know, they were always like, dude, you're, out, you're just working all the time. Can you take like one night off just to hang out with us? I'm like, I'm sorry. I know I'm always doing work or I got my own stuff going outside of school um, that I'm working on. Sure. And then I just like fell in love with basketball somehow. I've, I've never been into any, any sports. I'm not into any other sport huh. currently. So I knew about the history and like I've, I've followed up uh, on all of that now, but uh, yeah, I don't have that intense uh distaste for for all things Lakers but I'm, I'm aware uh and I, I believe the Celtics are now up for all-time wins oh yeah uh, yeah, yeah 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 indeed yeah no I uh <laughs> I love basketball I've been watching it since I was three or four and I, I remember the I grew up in the Central Valley of California so you can kind of split either northern or southern so when you're a little kid that just kind of depends on whoever's on tv that's who you like right so I grew up a San Francisco Giants baseball fan because they were on tv but I grew up a Lakers fan, not the Kings or not the Warriors for whatever reason. Right. And I remember when the Bulls were huge in the 90s and everyone was wearing Bull stuff. It's just like, what's going on here, guys? Like, this is California. <laughs> like, we got, right. th- we got four teams we can pick from here. Why are you guys wearing all this Bull stuff? So, right. But I love the NBA. I love the creativity of it. I love the, uh, in- the room for individuals to shine in the team context and the psychology of how that can derail a team or – you know, the team takes on the vibe of the leader, and I, I love the economics of millionaire black basketball players versus white billionaire owners. I, I love everything about it, and I could talk for the, about the NBA for a long time, but uh, same. <laughs> that's a that's a whole nother podcast. Sure. 
So with so many things that you're involved in, you know, design, development, you know, you curate these shows. When you meet someone and they ask you, what do you do? What do you tell them? Oh, man, that's a, <laughs> that's a good question, partly because I don't like to say things like I'm a designer, I'm a developer. You know, when I was younger, you know, coming up playing music, playing drums, people would be like, well, you're, yeah, you're a drummer, right? Like, no, I, I play drums. I'm not a drummer. So that's a tough one. Um, I'm hoping in most contexts people are, are meeting me at maybe a show or a thing that I'm doing. So it's kind of self-explanatory. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I help put this show together is what I've been saying for you know, 15, 16 years. The, that's the long and short of it. But yeah. uh, that means everything from like design the poster for it sometimes, you know, make the website, book the bands, pay the bands, or find the artist for the poster show, or curate the the uh, work that's going into the show, or um, art direct, creative direction for the poster series. So mm-hmm. it can be a lot of different things. But uh, at the end of the day, I'm just... I don't know, a, a, a guy who's excited about some of this stuff and just doing what he can to make fun things happen. No, when we uh, got connected through the Woodards from Brave the Woods and I started kind of looking into your stuff, it's, you know, I feel like you and I kind of have a similar mindset where you're passionate about some things and you just want those things to be known. You know, you want people to find out about the things that you love and you find interesting ways to put those things together with the right people to execute them and that's what I'm all about. Right. And very similarly, it's, it's everything that I've been, been up to with setting up shows. Uh, and a lot of this stuff is about celebrating the work of other people, too, not just my own work. Mm-hmm. So it's partly like the role of a facilitator. So how did you originally get into this life? <laughs> For, uh, uh, there's not really a better way to describe <laughs> it. Just the, your life. How did you get into that? Yeah, I, I think back and uh, uh, small town boredom, uh, getting in a lot of trouble, that sort of thing and uh air drumming and okay uh air I, play drum, so I play drums too so i know what you're talking about also yeah, yeah yeah so you you grow up and you know um, you know my I, it was just my mom and i and she didn't have a whole lot of money to like get things like music equipment or whatever so it was air drumming and then one day a, a friend was like you know he, he he wrote songs he had a show coming up he was a little too nervous to play by himself. He's like, dude, you air drum all the time. I found a, a drum set on the side of the road. Do you like, <laughs> do you want to play music with me? And that was it. Like from that point, self-taught, figured it out. Um, but then started booking shows to host uh, my friend's bands or our band. And eventually uh, it was just to host other bands. I I kind of stopped playing music uh, on and off throughout my, my career or, or history doing this stuff. But um, eventually it just became about that experience of bringing people together. felt mm-hmm. like I could have more of an impact or was more important than, you know, me playing around on drums. Right. But, uh, even though I love both equally. Right. So that's how you got into hosting shows in your mom's shed. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, part of the thing was when you're, you know, however old we were like 15, some of us didn't have cars or, uh, venues that were a maybe 45 minutes outside of our town. We weren't old enough to play there or even to get in. So it was kind of the, the DIY mentality of we'll host our own shows mm-hmm. and we'll book exactly the bands we want. It'll be free or donation or like you know, bring a canned good and get to the end of the show for free and no weird vibes. It's just all positivity. And, um, you know, we took the initiative and just one show turned into five or six more and eventually I think it was five years later we did a hundred shows 
just in my mom's backyard shed. Uh, I think 29 in an old storefront in town. And then, you know, a, a whole mess of other shows and like random spots like Bowling Howie's, VFW's, things wow. like that. So, so yeah, that's, that's um, where my design career came from. It was figuring out how to, uh, you know, we needed a website for these events to promote them. So do that or make posters. Uh, eventually got into screen printing, printmaking. So that's really air drumming and, and setting up these shows. That's like what led into this whole thing I'm doing now. And I'm still doing it huh. in some version of it. So it's a trip. Awesome. Now, with that many shows in the same number of places, eventually the police had to find out about this. And I mean, did, <laughs> did you deal with insurance and permits and the whole thing? Ah, oh, man. I mean, because the spirit of the DIY thing, um, no, we didn't have insurance or permits, but we we knew the, the laws in town and we, we did our best to, to be cool with the neighbors, um, show them some love, you know, buy them gift certificates at the end of each you know show season, <laughs> give them a schedule of our shows, All only right. do them, you know, Friday and Saturday nights, usually be done by like 10, 1030. And, and when I say neighbors, we, for most of the time, we only had three because I live next to a graveyard next to an industrial park. So um we were kind of in the woods that, that that helped our cause but i think the big thing in terms of when the cops would show up was just knowing the laws being mostly respectful and uh never like we weren't no one was doing drugs no one was smoking right. no one was drinking like there's a lot of underage kids there and we weren't trying to push any sort of agenda it was just like hey if you do this stuff the show's gonna get shut down so we ask that you not do it or right. if, if you do we don't want to be seeing it or We'd rather just weren't doing it at all, but so we never had a show shut down for, for any of those reasons. Not yeah. one. Wow. Not one. And uh, you know, it's a thing that I, I feel like I have to do a lot in my work now is put on that diplomat hat. Right. There's what you want to say. There's what you you ought to say. Um, and I wasn't always polite with the police um, <laughs> because sometimes they'd show up and be like, "We got a noise complaint." And it's like it's been all acoustic bands tonight. What are you talking about? Like, right. there's there's no noise. And I talked to all the neighbors, so like. They'd stop by just because they'd see 20 to 100 cars right. on our street or in my driveway and be like, something's going on here. What's what's up? Let's find out. Yeah. Yeah. So we just didn't want to be bothered, but we knew we weren't doing anything wrong. So, you know, it's a balance. So what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, man. Uh, it's funny. I heard you, you ask this uh, uh, to Brad and Crystal, but it was around eighth grade. I, I feel like I had made up my mind that I was going to either be a FedEx delivery person or because <laughs> I thought that was rad because like, wait, you can kind of like buy into this and, and create your own schedule and your own own workflow. That's great. And you get paid well um, and you travel uh, or it was going to be something with music, art, design, technology, mm-hmm. and somehow it's literally I'm doing all of those things. I'm yeah. driving a, a, a truck full of posters around the country right uh you know going to different spots or i'm I'm doing the the web development thing on the side music and art it's all related to what i'm doing so it's crazy that that came together but um that's what i was around eighth grade where i thought that's that's what i want to do when was it that you realized this could be my life you know i can make enough money doing all of these things to support my lifestyle when was it that you realized you didn't have to get a you know real job this could be the thing i want to say last year uh, because, you know, the spirit of those, those shows that we started doing when I was in high school with, you know, doing those shows with friends, 
the emphasis wasn't making money. We never made money on them. Mm-hmm. We almost, it was like a sense of pride to almost go into the minus because you're like, you're, that's what we were putting in to, to contribute to this thing. We weren't hosting to make money. If we made any money, we'd usually give 90% of it to the bands and then maybe recoup some of our costs. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so, cause we had pretty big bands come play on, on occasion. So we knew they were taking the pay cut just to be there. So we're like, let's give them as much as we can. But, uh, you know, that mentality, I think, has been great for everything that I've been doing once we, we started doing the, uh, the poster show pretty regularly for the last four or five years. But it wasn't helpful in terms of sustainability. So if I mm. keep going 10 grand into the minus and I'm expected to pay taxes on all this money that's coming in, yeah. you have to make a profit if, if the government is going to let you write write off these expenses or whatever right, right. Uh, as a business. So that was really weird. And I didn't, I wasn't comfortable with that. The idea of this is a quote business or something. Cause it was always, this is the, the passion project, the thing to, to contribute, give back uh, to my community or to help facilitate a dialogue around art, design, music. So yeah, kind of last year was, mm. I left my job uh, at IBM they, they moved me down here to Austin, Texas, worked there for just over a year. And then this poster show thing started to take off, mm-hmm. as well as uh, this idea for a poster series that I'd want to do for probably three years and had a couple different concepts and eventually landed on the National Parks idea. So once it seems like a kind of a viable option, then it felt like, all right, I could do this. Yeah. I'm still figuring it out, you know, month by month, but it's working. Yeah, so the National Poster Retrospectatus, not not retrospective, <laughs> the retrospectatus. Right. Um, how did that kind of come together? Are these your personal collections of posters that you've built up over the years? Are these posters you've commissioned? How did this all kind of come together and become a thing? Uh, it's a mix, but the, the first show uh, was born out of a friend suggested that uh, I do a, a, an art show with all of my posters that I made for the, the events at the shed, my mom's backyard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's totally outside of my comfort zone of, you know, uh, kind of self-importance or whatever you'd call it, but an art art show. Like what, what I was doing was utilitarian, not art. But um, essentially from there, it was like, now we got to get Mike involved, who was uh, my friend who was setting up the, the shows with me at the shed mm-hmm. and then it was and we should really be celebrating all shows in western mass so let's get as many flyers as we can from back home in, in palmer massachusetts and the surrounding areas and let's do i think it was like 1300 flyers two oh, decades geez. worth of shows so oh, wow. yeah and you know there's a cool history there with bands like dinosaur jr coming out of out of western mass so uh, a lot of flyers a lot of screen printed posters and from there took some time off and then uh, the opportunity came up to do a one-off poster show and it, it kind of turned into what this is now. It was all screen printed artwork, artists from around the country. And instead of just uh, music events, it could be events of any kind. So um, those were the the qualifications, I guess you could say, or the the variables to, to check off if, you know, if this work goes into the show, can it can check off these two things? Yeah. Listeners, um, if you've seen those cool band poster, you know, concert posters anywhere, you know, and you see the art is interesting and it, you know, you look at it and you wouldn't necessarily think, oh yeah, this is definitely 
by the band. This is someone that made this, and it's just an interesting interpretation of the vibe. That's what kind of posters these are. So if you go to the website and uh, check it out, you'll you'll get a better sense of what we're talking about. But there's some really cool stuff on there. Uh, there's the Hatch Show stuff, which I've been to Hatch Show in uh, Nashville, and uh, I've always been into design. You know, I've always been into seeing how that all comes together, and it's it's cool to see. And I've always it's cool what you do because I've always thought those concert posters are rad. I worked at a AM radio station uh, in high school, and they had a ton of old posters from like the country shows they would do at the fairgrounds. And it was like Ray Charles, Johnny Cash, Willie Nelson, like all these old posters. And I always thought that was the neatest thing. Totally. I mean, it's a, you know, it's like a little time capsule. It's a moment in time that that's being documented. And that's what I love about, you know, seeing the gig posters and things at the show, mm -hmm. especially that, sh that very first one we did, because you almost get to, to go back and, and relive some of the shows you went to, or you hear friends or folks that you're just meeting for the first time talk about, um, I remember a couple of friends were like, this is the show that my wife and I met at. Right. And like they're able to point to it and it's, it's significant, uh, for a lot of people. And it's kind of the face of the show. The band is, creates the experience, but what, what encapsulates it in terms of like a, a visual component. And it's usually the gig poster, the thing that advertises the event. Yeah. It's either you were there or anytime you see something with a date on it. I mean, the first thing that you think of is how old was I? What was I doing? You know? Right. And, there, it also speaks to the design language of the time, you know, typography trends. I mean, it is like a little time capsule of pop culture. Totally, yeah. So how about the National Park Series? How did that kind of come together? Yeah, uh, so as I mentioned, you know, I'd, I'd wanted to put together some sort of uh, poster series, partly through our network with friends and, and artists in the poster show, but uh, really just to, to celebrate anything. At first it was just travel. It was there's a lot of uh, Americana sort of based ideas that is kicking around. Basketball is one of them. Um, just some way to, to get folks all over the country involved into this one thing. Mm -hmm. And then to also be able to, to travel with it on the road with a poster show. Like you already have that vehicle there. Right. Um, so landed on the national parks because before I, I was touring with the poster show or traveling with bands, that's usually where I would end up. Um, I think it was, Maybe I was 18 or 16 to 18 when on my first road trip with friends and we just go to national monuments or basically places that are free, right. accessible and kind of curious, like what, what is this thing over here that, that so much history wrapped up in it and you go and it's it blows your mind, changes your perspective on things. And then, uh, yeah, fast forward to, to doing this, this poster show thing and felt like, all right, National Parks, the poster show, combine those two things that I love doing or love being a part of and then bring other folks into it. And that's where we ended up with the, the 59 Parks print series. Awesome. And they're, they're really cool. They, the, you know, it definitely clearly is each one. It's got its own flair, but they're all so cohesive. You know, you can tell they're from the same series. They're, they're really neat. Cool. I appreciate it. Thank yeah, you. Uh, I'm mentioning from the Central Valley. I've been checking back every week looking for Sequoia and uh, Kings Canyon, keeping an eye out for both of those. Kings Canyon is in the works now. Um, I, it might even be on press next week. Okay. So that'll be coming soon. Yeah. Kings Canyon and Sequoia, both of those I'm keeping an eye out for. Cool. So with all these different things, what's a basic daylight for you, if there is such a thing? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, basic day. I mean, usually starts off, do some reading, some exercise, that sort of thing. 
um, the beauty about this whole thing is you, you get to create your own schedule. So mm-hmm. I usually wake up early ish, you know, around eight. Um, and then, you know, do my, my personal thing, kind of get the day going that way, good breakfast, and then jump into work. Um, and that's usually art directing, uh, for the park, you know, park series, um, anything from like customer service to shipping to planning new shows for the, the, the poster tour, mm-hmm. um, getting new work in for the show. Um, or, you know, that's my life at home. Um, but if I'm on the road, uh, that's, it could be anything, any given day. It could be 14 hours of driving, going into a three <laughs> hours, like straight into three hours of install. Um, the next day might be doing a show and that could be again, three hours of install into a four or five hour event. Sometimes mm-hmm. we take it down and then start driving again. So, um, I get a good bit of variety, but, uh, as you, you know, some of the responsibilities you've mentioned in the beginning, or things that I have my hands in, it's it's definitely all over the place. Yeah, the work of many different people. So this traveling show is literally you taking the posters, putting them in a truck, and driving to wherever it is. Yes, and then hanging each one, um, you know, with our hands. I'm usually with a friend, uh, most often uh, a friend from back home in Massachusetts. Uh, Brian Buccaroni is he's done most of the tours with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's usually the two of us, uh, or sometimes just myself or a friend that lives in the city and usually would, you know, tag team a show, get that set up and, and then open it up for usually one night only and then have people in for a couple hours and that's it. Take it down and head to the next spot. What kind of places do you host this at? Is this museums or advertising agencies or where do you host these shows at? Yeah, it's, it's all of the above. And it, it started, I always say like in, in bombed out basement sort of vibe to, Design studios, like Lego headquarters is the place that we've done a show at twice. Oh, wow. Um, so it's like their design area, Adobe headquarters in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've done Adobe Max, so like we'll do conventions, things like Phoenix Phoenix Design Week, or record stores, art galleries, more traditional spots, or universities. Yeah. So literally everywhere. As long as there are walls, we'll, we'll hang a show anywhere. We've hung shows outside against our better judgment but like we've <laughs> we've done them everywhere putting it in the weather's hands at that point and the weather happened yeah. um, oh geez yeah 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 but it all worked out it was great that was one of our favorite shows of, of last year's uh fall tour so we talked a little bit about the you know the design time capsule and the feelings you did at these you know when you see these posters but what do you want people to get out of these you know what do you want people to pick up from the 59 part series from the national poster uh, to her, you know, what do you want people to get out of that? What are you trying to say? I mean, hopefully what people leave with is, you know, an event where they got in, it was totally free, open to the public, all ages. And they just got to, to converse with other people who are maybe, maybe from the same background or from a different background, but have something in common, whether it's art, design, music, or mm-hmm. the national parks. And certainly from there, you, you would hope people leave with a a deeper appreciation of the creative process, printmaking, and if you're talking about the park series, a, a deeper appreciation for uh, public lands and, and the national parks. Through doing the, the national park series, it's really interesting to, to, to see that dynamic where people are coming to our shows for the first time, and they're like, 
So I, I follow the Park series, but can you tell me what the heck the rest of this stuff is? All these bands, yeah, what's all this about? Yeah. <laughs> and that's amazing because people who are in the parks or the outdoors are getting into printmaking and yeah. design now. And vice versa, I hear so many folks who are like, you know, designers or printmakers themselves, or just they're already in the, you know, collecting posters. So they're like, seeing these parks things, I, I really want to go there now. Yeah, like, that makes me want to go see that. To go there. Yeah. Right. Or like, you know, I've been collecting posters for 10 years, you'll hear, and then someone will say, you know, my, my dad or my aunt or uncle now has this parks poster that, that you all put out hanging up in their house. And mm-hmm. like, I didn't think they'd ever get what I was so stoked about uh, with these, these posters and things, but now they get it because it's something that they can relate to. Right. So that's a trip, just picturing like the stuff we were doing basically in the backyard or in the basement, making these posters is having, it's finding its, its way into to people's houses that they didn't know anything about this stuff, maybe until they, they first saw the, the, the park series. Yeah. What do you think has been the biggest triumph so far? Uh, personally or for the... The series, what would, what would you say? All of the above. You know, you're, okay. <laughs> is it that is it that you get to do this at all? Is it that it worked out? Is it you know the is it the posters themselves? Is it getting the blessing of the National Park Service? You mentioned on the website that uh, that some of the proceeds go there and that they've been in contact with you. Yeah, yeah, and the, you know the, the Library of Congress is archiving the whole whole series. They they reached out. You know that's certainly a triumphant moment, and I would mm-hmm. say if you wrap it all together, just making it a, a year doing this, like last year was one of the toughest, uh, roughest years personally and, you know, creatively. And the first half of the year was like pretty much broke, had yeah. one month's worth of rent left, uh, and one, basically enough money to put out one more parks poster before I was completely no credit, mm-hmm. no money. And fortunately, uh, living off peanut butter and doing all that stuff for a while. The <laughs> second half of the year, things started to turn around. Uh, momentum started to build for the, the series and then had three months straight on the road of touring. And that definitely helped in terms of spreading the word, mm-hmm. uh, interacting with folks and selling some posters. So by the end of the year, you know, it was crazy to think like the, the start of that tour, maybe in August or September, you know, I had a, a decent amount of like personal events happening in my life around that time, but uh, I didn't think it was possible, basically, yeah. to to get to the end of that three month tour. It, I had to break it down day by day and really just go live in the moment and uh, be mindful of the milestones, but yeah. just focus on what's in front of me right there, and then get through the next day. And that's the most triumphant thing of all is like I made it. Yeah. I didn't think it. I didn't think it was possible for a while, but. <laughs> dug in and here I am and like more resilient for it and um, just in a better spot all around. Yeah. Any disappointments or anything in there that you wish would have gone differently? No, I don't, I don't like thinking like that just on account of it. it I literally found myself saying last year, like I'm grateful for my struggles. Like mm-hmm. I have a little, you know, routine in the morning each day and I go over things that I'm just grateful for. Keeps it simple. Uh, keeps things in, in perspective, but uh, one day that just came out, and I was like, "That's strange. Like, really? That's how I feel. All right, no kidding." So I wouldn't want to change anything. Cause I'm I'm here right now. You know, it's still there's plenty of adversity. There's still plenty of struggle, but uh, I love what I'm doing, and it's it's kind of a, a blessing to be doing this. So, what was that last poster before you almost had to shut it down? What, what which one was it that came out right after that? Oh, uh, I. <laughs> 
I remember the day vividly and the poster. I'll just stick to the poster, but uh, uh, it was DKNG's Grand Canyon poster. That okay. that was the moment where I feel like people started to to notice. That was yeah. I'd been sitting on this for a while, but just the idea of why don't we put out a really big park by a, a really well-known artist and it felt like that was the perfect cross-section of both where sometimes we pair up well-known artists with lesser-known park or, mm-hmm. or vice versa um just cause that's the way it works out but yeah. that was that was great plus it's summer and that that was a time where people i think were, were willing to spend money and things like there's i've noticed little trends in the retail world where you know like right now or after christmas yeah things start to die down a bit but but yeah, I mean, that poster showed up. I was like, this is beautiful. I can't believe it. And then people started buying it and didn't stop for a while. And I was like, this is, this has not happened before. This is a game changer in a way. And then it was like, fingers crossed it happens for the next one. And you just saw that momentum build. It's been crazy. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And the Grand Canyon is so, so amazing. It's, I went for the first time a few years back and, it's just like I never got tired of walking over there and looking at it. Like you, yeah. it's even though you've got it built up in your head a certain way, it's so much bigger than you think it's going to be. And just every day, like I'd spend, I don't even know how long we camped, like on the south south rim at that you know park area. But it was every every day, just walk over, and just stare at it for a while. It's just mind boggling. Yeah, definitely. If you're looking for a healthy dose of uh, uh, perspective. Or just to, to to humble you out real quick, like that's it. Oh, yeah. It's just beautiful too. Like yeah. it's, it's incredible. So if this hadn't worked out, what do you think you'd be doing? Would you be back at IBM? Would you be doing design work? What do you think you'd be doing? Uh, so if the park series and, and the poster series didn't work out, yeah, I would say, um, you know, potentially helping uh, lead a design team, uh, you know, at, at a, a studio of some sorts. It mm-hmm. can be small, medium, large. Uh, uh, I'm to pretty much anything, but I, I can't picture that, that reality just yet. Like I'm so yeah. immersed in this thing now that it's, it's like, make it work no matter what, if anything, I would say, uh, I still do what I'm doing and it kind of turns into not the side hustle, but it basically takes the hours of a side hustle. So right. after the nine to five job and and that's what I was doing for years anyway. So I've got the endurance to do it. I just know that it can't last forever. Right. And certainly if this isn't the main focus, we're going to put out prints slower and, you know, we're not going to be able to, to meet the, the, the demand for the, the show to, to tour around the country for three months straight. Mm-hmm. You can't do that with a full-time job. Right. So. Right. But yeah, I mean, I think web development, um, some sort of management or art direction, creative direction, that's the sort of sort of thing I picture doing one day after this thing runs its course or just doesn't seem like a, a viable full-time option. So going forward, how do you define success for yourself? Yeah, that's a, <laughs> it's a tough question, partly because I feel like for me, it's, I'm not so tied up in the, the results. It's more of the process. Yeah. It's, it's more of the journey than the destination, that sort of thing. So you know, there's just the joy of being in the moment and doing this stuff. And, and in a way, that feels like success, doing my best, digging in, putting in the work. Like, that's it. I don't really look at things like success or failure maybe in, in the normal, normal way where it's like I've made more mistakes 
than probably most people that I know. Um, but I hold myself accountable. I dig in. I learn from them. So I don't feel that I have any failures in life. Right. Plenty of plenty of hiccups, mistakes, whatever. But it's a kind of a continuum. There's milestones, and yeah, you can check off boxes. Yeah, we we reached that goal. We did this thing, or was able to help out with this over here. But it's it's in the moment sort of thing. That's that's the closest or the best way I can describe it. I think. No, it's uh, it's very zen. You know, you mentioned that. You mentioned the the work being the success. You mentioned. You know, you wake up every morning feeling grateful for things. I mean, it's very, very even keel, and that's uh, that's admirable, especially in the current climate of our nation and uh, our, you know, our attention span and our, you know, luxury-oriented culture. It's very uh, refreshing to hear you talk like that. For sure. I mean, it, it, like I said, it helps keep things in perspective and it's been focused on, on what you can influence or what you can control because, you know, you'll drive yourself crazy worrying mm-hmm. about all the stuff that, that's going on out there that you wish you could have some say in, but you might not. So, yep. you know, affect change in your immediate circle, um, or just spread positivity in that way and, and, and do your best. That's it. That's what I try to stay mindful of at least. If you could go back to the start of the journey, anything you tell yourself? Oh man. I, I mean, that would just be that it'd be like, it sounds corny, but, just take it day by day. If you, if you really can get to that point, that's so powerful. And just not to worry because I wasn't, you know, growing up people would say, because I got into some trouble and stuff, never anything too bad, but just like to cause mischief, you know, I was a latchkey kid, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, most teachers, relatives, whoever, they'd say, you're going to be dead or in jail by age 20 if you, if, you know, just doing what you're doing or just in general. And I remember guidance counselor laughing at me when I said I wanted to go to college, like, cause my grades weren't there, but I didn't have a, you didn't have some of the same resources maybe that, uh, would have been helpful to, to, to do better in school or whatever. But yeah, so there was a lot of uncertainty. So it'd just be, don't worry, man, you're, you're going to, you're going to be all right. Work hard, hold yourself accountable. Stay positive. Are we talking stealing chips here or stealing cars or what are we no, talking well, about? No, that's the thing. Like, cause, cause sometimes, you know, for these, these shows that I do, I'm asked to do a talk or something or I'll just go to a conference and, and do one of these talks. But I make sure to, to clear that up. Like, I was in a, in a scared straight program. I was uh, on probation, but I was going to the scared straight <laughs> visit with kids who were stealing cars, beating people up, <laughs> selling drugs. And I was like, making prank phone calls, you know, <laughs> blowing up stuff in the backyard. Like, you know, I had a pretty good conscience. General mischief, like, not, not mayhem. Yeah. Yeah. But I want to stress like a lot of mischief and like always in trouble at school just for like being <laughs> bored and pulling pranks. Like, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a, the reputation was worse than I feel like yeah. it, than, than actual behavior was. But yeah. I think people just saw, well, naturally if you're getting into this trouble, you're probably going to get into drugs. Right, you're probably right. gonna, and I never, I still have never yeah. done any of those things. Yeah, we, we've yeah, seen this part. before, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So it worked out. So yeah. All right. Home stretch. All right. What do you like to do for fun besides watch basketball and eat peanut butter sandwiches? Uh, man, uh, that's the thing. I mean, I enjoy doing what I do and I love being on tour. People think I'm crazy for, you know, they asked me, how was that drive? You drove 14 hours and by yourself? It was awesome. 
Like, how is that possible? Like, you find ways to make this stuff fun. Yeah, I've always, an adventure. I've always wanted to do the cross-country drive. I haven't done it yet. But uh, so what's your thing? Do you stop and see the world's largest this and go to the go to the world's largest that and go to the national park on the way? Or are you uh, trying to pound it out? What's kind of your travel philosophy? Uh, it depends. I mean, there's two ways to do it. If I'm on tour and, you know, we've got to be in Memphis the next night or wherever, you know, from wherever we're coming from, it's probably drive straight there. Yeah. But, uh, or if we've got two weeks worth of postal orders to ship, like we got to get back. So, um, but more recently it's been great just to go on road trips with friends and not have an agenda. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's incredible because someone who's usually living six to seven months ahead in their calendar, just to be like, I will literally do anything you want to do right now. This is like, we're just hanging out. That's enough for me. We're on the road. That's awesome. If you want to go hike a thing, great. If you want to go to a, a, a weird shop on the side of the road that's got um, not everything to do with uh, NASA and outer space for some reason, yeah. sure. Let's go check that out. Yeah, I love stuff like that. <laughs> so, yeah, and I, I would say that's it, like travel, adventure. Like That's the being outside. Those are the things I like to do for fun. I love finding like the dirtiest diner with the grimiest-looking trucks outside of it and eating there, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's again healthy perspective of, of what's going on uh, outside of your bubble. What are you excited about right now? Any movies you just saw? Any albums you just listened to? Any books you're reading? Anything you want people to know about? Yeah, I mean, so many things. But the the first one that stood out is like, what's really got me right now is uh, uh, related to basketball. It's this book called Wooden. Um, a lot of words, thoughts uh, from John Wooden. Okay. Um, he's he's a coach for. For many many years, I uh, forget how many how many titles he's won. But, Ten or eleven, I think. Know, yeah, it, it's somewhere up there. And like, you know, dude didn't win at all for I think like eleven to fourteen years, something like that. Um, they didn't even have a proper gym. So just that whole thing of of I relate to with the adversity, just digging in. And it's crazy because sometimes I live life and I think I'm on an island where it's some of these thoughts or perspectives or dreams or whatever it is. Like, ah, oh, I don't know if other people feel this way, but I'm reading so much stuff in this book where I'm like, this is exactly what I've been saying, or like stuff we just talked about earlier. Yeah. I'm reading that's what homeboy is saying in this book. It's like, that's crazy. I mean, he was there first. He had these ideas before me, but it's just comforting <laughs> to know like you're not the you're only not one. Alone. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's a little reassuring of like, cool, you know, this I'm confident in my my path and my direction, but this is a a little more of like, yeah, keep doing it, man. What inspires you to keep going and keep figuring things out and keep pushing forward and keep making things happen and keep driving this truck across the country? You know, what inspires you to keep that going? I think it's just a desire to to do something, even if it's small in the grand scheme of things, just to contribute. Um, that's it. Just contribute to something bigger than yourself. Even if, like I said, if, if it doesn't get noticed by that many people, that's not important, but, uh, that and just you know being here just to appreciate you know whatever time that i do have that's it Mm -hmm. those those are the things and and to work and be accountable for for what you're up to and and certainly you know we talked a little bit about growing up and you know uh some of the, the mischief i'd get into but some of that was you know, projected onto me even before it was happening just because of, of how I grew up or whatever. But yeah. it's it's certainly like, yeah, you, you want to distance yourself from, from that sort of vibe or uh, just prove to yourself, not even trying to prove it to anyone else at this point, but just 
I've, I, I can do plenty of positive things. Like I can do the work, like I can handle my own business. Like this is, that's encouragement too, even on a, a small level. Yeah. And, and no like spiteful way or anything. It's totally a healthy sort of uh, sense of motivation. But anytime you've ever been put down, yeah. that sort of thing, it's like, that's a reminder. Like, yeah. Keep, keep working. Cause even in my career out of school, I still heard that my work wasn't good enough. I wasn't good enough. That sort of thing. And, yeah. um, that's sometimes that's just the extra motivation you need when you're up late and you're like, why am I doing this? Yeah. And it's tough in a creative field too, because you've also got the politics that go behind all of that. And, you know, is this person saying this because they don't like my work or is it because I don't play the game or what is it, you know, what's going on here really here? Totally. So many different factors. Or just sometimes if someone had a bad day or they're feeling insecure because they feel like you're gunning for, for their job or right. something, even though it's like the last thing on my list of priorities is trying to move up any ladder. But right. if other people see it a different way, they're coming at you with, with, with different things. So yeah. yeah, it's tricky. Any last words of advice, life, art, creativity, anything? I just follow what you're stoked on um, and put in the work that's it. And you probably had plenty of people say that, but I feel like that's, that's an important thing to focus on. Cause sometimes there's that notion that if it's, if it's what you love doing, then it shouldn't be hard or it shouldn't feel like work. But my perspective is completely different. It, it, a little adversity is a good thing. Yeah. Um, putting in the work, like the things I'm most stoked on, the things that are the most meaningful to me, I've put in the most work. Right. It required the most work. Right. And I've seen the largest return on those things too. So that's just the thing. Don't if if it seems harder, if it's work, that doesn't mean you're you're on the wrong path. Or it's, it's a if there's any resistance that oh I shouldn't I shouldn't be pursuing this thing, yeah. whether it's work, uh, career path, relationship, whatever. All of this stuff requires work and attention and just digging in. No, it's definitely, it sounds like an awesome story. And just hearing it here for the first time, you know, you liked music, you wanted to throw shows. So you found a way to get bands together to throw shows. You needed posters for them so people knew how to come see them. So you designed posters. Then you in ended up interested in design based on that and started collecting posters, doing posters. It's, it's a cool story. And you found a way to take these things that you're passionate about and turn it into a life. It's, it's awesome. And that's, that's what the Maslow Peaks all about. I mean, that's the theme of the podcast right there. Whatever you're interested in, whatever your dream job is, that's someone's job, you know, or you can find a way to do it. And if you're passionate about it, that'll come out. Heck yeah. So everybody, this is JP Boneyard, uh, jpboneyard.com. And if you want to see these awesome National Parks posters, that's 59parts.net, 59 numerical, 59parts.net, or on Instagram at 59parks spelled out. He can be found on the web at jpboneyard.com, where you can also find the National Poster Retrospecticus. How, how did you settle on that, Retrospecticus? <laughs> it was, like I said, it was only supposed to be a, a one-time thing. And big fan of The Simpsons. There was an episode, um, where I think Lisa became yearbook editor or something, and they named it Retrospecticus. <laughs> and that's just goofy enough to, to seem like a good idea there at the go. time. There you go. So, there you go. And so there it is, National Poster Retrospectatus. Uh, there's links to that on jpponyard.com as well. JP, this has been awesome. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. This has been the Maslow Peak Podcast presented by Spring State Media Group. Our producer is Jesse Edmond. 
If you like what you heard today, you can find all of our episodes on the web at themaslowpeak.com, where you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or SoundCloud to have new episodes automatically pushed to you. If you would review and subscribe, that would help us out a lot. You can also check our Instagram at themaslowpeak for behind-the-scenes details. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening, and you'll be hearing from us next week.